Welcome to the Jordan Eckes Sermon Podcast. We hope it brings you great encouragement. In your Bibles, if you'd open to Exodus chapter 20, Exodus 20. Get us ready for that. Wanted to say a couple of things I forgot to mention uh, right out of the gate. One is happy retirement to our friend Kevin. He uh, had his last day on Friday. I'm sure Ruth will have work for him on Monday. Uh, but just congratulations, Kevin. We're proud of you. And uh, we're grateful for your example. Uh, also, Danny grabbed me on when I was greeting folks, and Danny uh, O'Hara, she's going to Riley's this week for a checkup, so we'd be praying for uh, little Danny that things would continue to be going in the right direction uh, for that wonderful young lady. And so as we, uh, as we think about where we're kind of at and what's going on, I want to give you kind of a lay of the land of the book of Exodus. I've invited you to read that book this month and, and to continue this journey together through God's Word, and we've We've taken time to look at Genesis, and then we kind of uh, worked our way through the short John books and Jude, and this month we're looking at Exodus. There is method, method to my madness. Uh, next month we will be looking at the Gospel of Matthew, and what I hope to do is see the connections and overlaying things that are happening within Matthew and Exodus, and there's some things that we're progressing, progressing through. Uh, for the next few weeks and this morning, I want us to understand that part of the book of Exodus is about relationship. It is our relationship with God. Particularly, it is about Israel's relationship with God, but there are many things that we can derive from that in our own walk with God and our own trust in Him. The other aspects of the book of Exodus, there is the relationship with God, but there is also the sense of resiliency. Will they be resilient in their faith? Will they be able to weather the storm? Or in this case, will they be able to weather the life in the wilderness and be resilient in their faith and trust in God? And then I want to close with uh, the week after. I'd like to share with you about the rest that God offers us. And so the next three weeks are about relationship this week, resilience next week, and rest in our final week together. And when we talk about rest, we're going to talk about Sabbath. So I want you to all have a really busy week and, you know, just have all things going crazy. Uh, you know, whenever I preach about Sabbath, it seems like my life is in complete chaos. So I'm prepping myself and my wife. We'll be going on a short little trip to uh, Michigan that week, and so I'm sure everything will go great. Uh, so I'm just getting all that out there. Not that I'm superstitious, uh, you know, but anyways, so. If someone would knock on wood for me, that'd be fine. Thank you all. I appreciate you. Uh, so this morning, as we dig in, I want to talk about our relationship with God, the relationship of Israel with God. Uh, last week's message, we walked through a good chunk of Exodus. I didn't really narrow in on one particular passage. I kind of covered 17 chapters, which got the Israelites who were in Egypt enslaved and got them all the way out of Egypt, after the plagues, through the Red Sea, and uh, ready to hear from God. And that's where I'd like to land uh, this morning. But first, before we get into that, I'd like to pray, and then uh, I need some volunteers. So let's pray. God, thank you that you seek us. 
Uh, God, that it is you who has drawn us uh, closer, that it is your work and your power and your faithfulness and your mercy in our lives. And so this morning, God, we, we fully appreciate the power in which you have worked to redeem your people, Israel, to draw them out of slavery, and what you have done for us today through Jesus Christ to draw us to you. And so in that relationship, in your drawing near to us, God, today, may we trust in you, may we know more of you, may we be aware of your presence and your grace, and may all of it lead to your glory and praise. May we hear from you today. Speak truth to our lives. Open our hearts to you now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. I need a volunteer. I'm going to call upon uh, uh, Addie's cowering in fear. McKenna, would you like? Okay. All right. McKenna, you come, you come on up. All right. I need your dad to come up too, or your mom. Which one? Either one. All right. All right. Okay. This may not work because we're, we're really pretty close. This is my idea here, but I'm going to give you a rule, and your dad's going to give you a rule, okay? All right, my rule for you is that you need to stand on one leg, okay? And your dad's rule is whatever he wants you to do. All right, I want you to hop between two different legs. Hop back and forth, all right. You need to keep doing that, though. You're, we're very proud of you. All right, now I want you to give me $500. You don't like that? You can't do that? No? All right. Now, Dad, your turn, Dad. Uh, all right, good job. Dad can leave. McKenna, you have to stay, all right? What was, um, it, my idea isn't going to work right because, oh, this is not going to be good. You'll just, right here, I'm sorry. All right, so it doesn't work because we're pretty close, but I had a whole thing planned. It didn't work out right, but how did it feel when I gave you rules? Did you like my rules? Not really. How about dad's rules? Were they okay? They were better, right? Is it easier to listen to me or is it easier to listen to dad? Dad. Dad? Dad probably. Go ahead and say dad emphatically. You can't say emphatically. Just go dad. Okay, dad. All right. That, yeah, okay. Good job. Everybody give McKenna a round of applause. All of that was so I could say this. For us, relationship and rules matter. Relationship and rules matter. Uh, I, I always struggled with rules. If I didn't know you cared about me, I didn't care about your rules. And I would rebel against them. I was an amazing kid to work with. Uh, you know, so it's like I always struggled with that. And so when we pick up the book of Exodus... Long before God lays out his law, he reveals his heart for his people. And I think God, you know, Israel doesn't do stupendously well with following all of the laws. But imagine how it would have gone if they did not know of God's drawing them to him and God's work with them. 
I already opened with 19, uh, Exodus 19.6. It says, God draws them to himself as wings of eagle, on wings like eagles, that he's made them into be a kingdom of priests, that God has inaugurated them and brought them in, and he has drawn them to himself. This morning when we look at Exodus 20, what I want you to see is a God who has been at work in the first 19 chapters of the book of Exodus to reveal himself as the Redeemer, to reveal himself as the bread of life, to reveal himself as one who nourishes them and provides for them. I hope that you will see that God, in what we covered last week, is all preparation for this moment when he says to them, I am the God who has called you out of Egypt. I am the one who has reached out to you. When you look at Exodus 20 then, and it says, And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Just so that we're abundantly clear, I think God is saying, I'm the one who's rescued you. I'm the one who's drawn you here. And so for Israel, who's going to then be presented with, here's how I want you to conduct your lives. Here's how our relationship is going to work. You know, every relationship sort of has uh, these defining moments. What are the words of your relationship? And how do you connect with one another? And God is saying, these are the words that I want you to cling to. These are the words that I want you to understand about our relationship and how this is going to work. Foremost, I want you to know, I'm the one who has drawn you out of Egypt. I'm the one who's rescued you and loves you and cares deeply for you. So hear me out, God, is what God's saying. May these rules come from one that you know loves you and cares deeply for you. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of their parents for the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, for in six days... The Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself, and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us, or we will die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you 
to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. The Ten Commandments uh, for anyone is, uh, most everyone, is pretty familiar. It's something culturally that we've used and it's before us. It's even becomes a cultural topic of should it be in public spaces or not. The heart of today's message is not solving our cultural (laughs) critiques and, and solving the problems of the world around us. Today's message is simply an encouragement for us to understand and maybe draw from what God was doing for the Israelites, what he's still doing for us today in understanding how we can have a relationship with God and how it might work and look. And so we can sort out how we could fix the world or we could just sort out our relationship with God and say, and examine ourselves and look at in our own lives, do I love God? Do I value him? Do I worship him? Do I trust him? Do we as a corporate group of people who are seeking Jesus Christ and his kingdom, do we love and respect God and revere him in all that we do? Do we love our neighbors as Christ calls us? What, is, what, uh, what Moses is taught from God and the Ten Commandments are still relevant and true for us today. May it, may it be used now to examine our hearts and our lives. Right out of the gate, God says, I'm the one who drew you out of Egypt. I'm the one who rescued you. And he says, here's the deal. Don't have any other gods. I'm it. I'm the one you seek. I'm the one that you trust. I'm the one that you worship. There's no one else. Now that we understand. We're good with that, except for all the gods that we worship throughout the week. Our sports, our busyness, ourselves, our money, our jobs, our identity outside of Christ. How many different things are you chasing after in this very moment that might be a very good thing, but has become the most important thing? When we turn and reflect for ourselves on our lives, we need to examine and say, are there any other gods before Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior? We need that sort of heart analysis. Am I, am I trusting in God with all of my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength? Do I love him? Then there's the don't fashion any idols. Now you all are like, ah, we don't, we don't throw our gold together and melt it up and make golden calves. We haven't done that lately. Uh, that was last weekend, right? The, uh, oh, we don't really wrestle with fashioning for ourselves idols, but we do fashion for ourselves things that draw our attention and our worship and we attribute our meaning and our worth and what we try to derive our hope from. We all have these competing gods and these competing voices and all of these things that are influencing and guiding us away from a love for God and what he's done for us. And so we truly need to look and examine in our lives and ask ourselves the question, am I, am I making a life for myself or am I trusting in God? Am I trusting in him in all aspects of my life? As, I just, as we walk through the commandments and we think, do I value God? Do I reverence him? He says, don't use my, the, we say don't use the Lord's name in vain. And the way that's always sort of been used is like, you know, you don't say, uh, you know, you slam your thumb and you don't say Jesus Christ. Like, I would rather use, you know, use one of the big ones than you use the Lord's name in vain in that way. Like, that gets under my skin. And so when people do it, this is what I do. It's a little sneak attack. I always say, you know, when they say, Jesus Christ, and I'll say, 
He loves you, and he died for you. And uh, it, I have yet to have anyone repent and be baptized from that, but I'm going to keep doing it because it's like I feel like they need to note, like if you're going to use his name, let's reverence his name. And so there is certainly that aspect to it. Don't flippantly or angrily use the name of God. But there are plenty of people and plenty of Christians who use the name of God for their own personal gain. Jesus, when he talks to us about using our, uh, when we say, let our yes be yes and our no be no, he says, some of you are swearing by the name of God, and when you do that and you don't follow through, what are you saying of the name of God? So he's saying you should be of such moral and have such moral integrity and character that when you say yes, your yes means yes, and when you say no, your no means no. You don't need to swear by anything else so that you would, um, you know, validate and rubber stamp your your message. We should be of such character that it doesn't require us swearing by some other name, particularly in heaven. And so. When we think about, do I reverence the name of God? Yeah, you haven't used the Lord's name in vain, good, but have you used his name for your own advantage? Have you used his name and invoked his name and conducted yourself in a way that would dishonor God and dishonor his name? Have I stepped on any toes yet? Wait till we keep, you know, we'll keep. Shall not misuse the name of the Lord. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. I'm going to take time uh, in a couple of weeks to really kind of zero in on this one. But really, in this moment, are you resting in God? Do you trust in Him? And that that message, hopefully, we will uh, get to some of the things that are going on in our heart and our identity that keep us from finding rest and strength and comfort and healing in the one who's rescued and saved us. Then, then things transition. There is, how do we relate with God? How, we, how do we respect and revere God? And there's this vertical aspect of the Ten Commandments, and then it becomes this horizontal. And the first relationship is that we would honor our father and mother, that we would respect them, listen to them. McKenna did an excellent job honoring her father, and I'm sure if your mom was up here, you would have listened to her as well. Our message and our encouragement for us and for our children ought to be that we would reverence and love our parents. I don't want to get too curmudgeon but I am a little bit, so I might as well embrace it. You know, I'm almost 40, so I'm starting to get grumpier. I know how all you are now, but uh, anyways, now I'm being mean to you all. That's good. Um, but as I think about, relate, when I look at young kids, when I, when I think about just what all is going on in their lives, how important it is that they would honor their parent. But I think some of them are struggling because their parents, they don't respect and they don't feel they're worth honoring. And, I don't, and that's like a real blanket statement, but I see a real struggle between the love for parents and honoring them and how they are treated. May we give an example, and may we care for them and minister to them. May we set examples for the world and just be kind and gracious and be examples for our kids. Help us encourage one another and our children to honor our parents. I can't tell you how many teens have come to me 
and have said things about their parents. And my message is usually, you need to honor your father and mother. You need to listen to them. And sometimes they say crazy things, and you still need to listen to them. Because they love and they care for you. We need to encourage children to honor their parents. It seems like it... it all I'm trying to say is it's really important. I think that it's something that's sort of gone to the wayside. I watch uh, too many Disney shows, and if you watched a Disney show, some of you are like, what are you talking about? Disney shows, like, the adults are, like, completely out of the picture. Like, they don't do anything, and they're completely incompetent. And when I watch it and I see that on the show, I'm like, okay, we're not watching this show anymore. And my kids are like, oh, the humanity. And it's like, well, I'm tired of there being stupid, idiotic parents as the example in it, and it teaches you to not respect your parent. Now I'm sounding really curmudgeon <laughs> Not all Disney shows are bad, you know. Mandalorian has new episodes, and Grogu loves his dad, Mando, and it's great. Uh, okay, I have officially derailed. All right. So as we think about relationships and honoring our father and mother, Let's encourage children to honor their parents. Parents, continue to bless and care for your kids and minister to them and, and seek godly wisdom as you minister to your kids. It is so hard, and just a blanket statement from me up here doesn't, doesn't do justice of the patience, the kindness, the work that goes in. Uh, Wendy and I have had many tireless, tireless nights, sleepless nights, ministering to and loving our children, trying to be the very best we can. This week, I raised my voice, and I was like beating myself up the rest of the week because I had a moment where I was tired, exhausted, and angry, and I took it out on my kid. I need to love and care for and bless and nurture my children and do the very best I can. We foster a relationship with our children that I ask them for forgiveness. I apologize when I, let, when I parent out of anger because I want to be a dad worth honoring. I want to be filled with compassion and grace for my kid. We're not going to bat a thousand. We're not going to be perfect. We're not going to get it right every single time. What I love, though, is that there's grace in relationships. There's mercy and love in a Christian foundation home. Honor your father and mother. Honor your father and mother, and it's as um, the Hebrew author says, the first one with a promise, and your mother, so that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So there is this relationship, like our familial family, this intimate connection, and it keeps uh, expanding then outward. You shall not murder. You should value all life. Value all life. Love them, care for them. And in this, you shall not murder uh, there is a restriction on the taking of life. God, from the very beginning, was protecting human life. When, he, uh, when Cain and Abel, after Cain kills Abel, he puts a mark on Cain, and he says if anyone kills Cain, then it'll be you know, proportionately worse for anyone who hurts him. God protected Cain's life because he knows that uh, retaliation and getting even and uh, you know, it's not that we get even, it's that we have to get over and above and make sure that, you know, it's expanded beyond that punishment. God is always protecting life. You shall not murder. 
He says we should protect our marital relationship. Do not commit adultery. Do not commit adultery. Protect our marriages. Minister to one another. Forgiveness. Don't isolate your heart. Don't wander down paths that will lead you to destroy your marriage. Do everything you can to protect it. Care for one another. Minister to one another. Forgive one another. Be open and honest. Um, Having a faithful marriage requires there to be humility, willing to accept that you've made mistakes. There has to be... um, transparency in your marriage. Wendy has full access to my phone. She has full access to my life. And there's nothing that I want to let enter into my marriage and destroy it. Protect your marriages. Be open, be vulnerable, be transparent. Let people have access to your life. Don't live in isolation. Don't let anger ruin your marriage. Don't let things and temptations let you wander away from coveting your spouse and caring for them. Love your spouse. Care for them deeply. You shall not steal. When we value life and we value our marriages and we also look at valuing the livelihood of others, to not steal for them or take from others. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox and donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Stealing, false testimony, coveting. So a while ago, I told, uh, I can't remember who I tell the story to. I already told you maybe, I don't know. Um, The time I stole toenail clippers from Hallmark store. That has really resonated with the kids. I told that to the Wednesday night kids night kids like at the very beginning of the year and they'll still bring it up. They're like, you remember that time you stole nail clippers? Yes. Like they've really identified with stealing, you know. We shouldn't covet what others have. We shouldn't take from others what we want for ourselves. That's a really powerful message if we let it sink in and sink into our hearts when we examine our relationship with God and our relationship with others. We rewind where we started. I have a relationship with God, and I want to reverence him with all of my life. I want to reverence his name and use it respectfully always. I want to rest in him and find my comfort and strength in him. I want to honor my marriage because I made that vow in front of family and before him. I want to honor all life because they are all created in the image of God. If I were to take a life, I would harm, in part, the image of God in which they're created. If I were to steal and take for myself, if I were to covet for myself, I tarnish that relationship that I have with God and that I have with others. But it's this coveting thing that I think we all sort of live with. It's an underlying factor. There are people that maybe you wish to kill, but you haven't. But there are things that people have that you certainly wish you did. We constantly run the game of comparison and longing for what others have And we always think that maybe if we would just get this next thing, that that would be what would fulfill us and what would bring us joy. And I would invite you to see how just how that coveting what others have and what idolatry does to our hearts, that all of it's working in the same sort of realm. And I'm asking you to see that you are created in the image of God. You have been rescued and saved by Jesus Christ. 
and he is the one who has called you out of darkness and into life and into his kingdom, that he's the one who has drawn near to you so that what we cherish, what we covet, what we're drawn to is not the things of this world, but it's Christ himself and the life that we have in his kingdom. You have life in him. So as we kind of think through, like, what, what does this look like? How do I live this relationship out? I want to simply draw our attention to the book of Romans, and we'll look at Romans chapter 12. Because I, I think it's one thing to walk through uh, the Ten Commandments and then feel like, well, yeah, I know those things. And I'm not going to murder anybody this week. Uh, but how do I practice the heart of the Ten Commandments? And what Paul does for us is he, as we walked through a few months ago, where we spent the first 11 chapters communicating how we belong to God. The first 11 chapters of Romans teaches us how you belong to God through Jesus Christ. And it's the second half that teaches us who we are becoming and how do we now live in light of what God has done for us. And chapter 12 is really the transition point. And he says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, is good, pleasing, and perfect will. We're going to jump ahead to verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Paul says, in light of the transformative work of Christ, in light of his drawing near to you, go and live a life of blessing, of caring, of forgiveness, and continue down this path where we love God and we love others. Christ teaches us very simply that in the uh, greatest of commandments, there are two, to love God with all of our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Jesus does not come to condemn the law, abolish the law, forget the law. He comes to fulfill the law. And he fulfills it in his sacrifice and his gift for us and the life that we have in him. He invites you to live a life where you love God 
and you love others as Christ has loved you. I don't know that if I said anything particularly new for you this morning. But maybe I reminded you of just how important it is every day, every day to examine your relationship with God. Do you love him? Do you reverence his name? Do you care deeply about what he cares about? For the people in your life and the lives around you, do you love them as Christ has loved you? What I love about Romans 12 is is there's enough there to keep you busy for a while. Take one part of it and say today and this week, I'm going to look to honor others above myself. Who can I honor this week? Who can I bless? What enemy can I pray for? There's something there for all of us in every step of our life with God and our relationship with him. Examine your life with him now. What is he saying to you? May you trust in him and walk with him today. Let's pray. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for this morning and our time together. And may we seek you in all that we do. Thank you for the transformative power of your gospel. God, that we are renewed through your son, Jesus Christ. And today, as we seek you, as we seek your heart and your ways, God, we, we want a relationship with you. May we remember that you're the God that drew Israel out of Egypt, and you are the God who rescued us out of sin and out of death into a life with you. We are here today. We are renewed today. We have life today because of you. And so minister to our hearts now and our minds and transform us, God, and let today be a day that we remember our relationship with you, that you have rescued us. May we be your obedient children who listen to the words of Christ, who seek to obey you and everything Christ commanded, and that today we would trust and know that you are with us to the very end. We love you, we thank you, we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to the Jordan Eckes Sermon Podcast. We hope it brought you great encouragement. Until next time, God be with you.